Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If they were are to beat us in the first round, finally, like, let it be now after it was like three times, because if it happens like fucking 24 times and I'm like 60 or 70 by the time it happens, that's going to be like super, super sad. And they're going to be really happy. And I don't want that, at least about the Maple Leafs. I want. I think we have to put Drew in timeout since he just. Right, hoped I mean, for a Leafs win in the play. Oh, do no, we get that? No, 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 no. I did not hope for a Leafs win. Look. Look, because my you main... should have said you'd rather them win this one than in twenty four more tries. If they lost twenty seven <laughs> no. consecutive first round playoff series, I mean, that would be sick. No, 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 that's not my. Awesome. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Wait, is that an Austin Matthews poster? I did not. What? Came out. You have a maple leaf tattooed between your eyes. Yeah. Welcome to the Bruins and Bruins podcast, episode 61 of season three. My name is Cam Hasbrook, joined as per usual by Drew Johnson. Chris is out exploring the depths of space. Wish him luck. He'll probably be back. We have probably. Lancey here tonight <laughs> as our special guest. Lancey, uh, I don't know how much longer I can call you a special guest because I, I feel like you kind of lose that status when you become like a part-time co-host, which I live here now at this point. Yeah, you, you live here now. So, um, but you are special to us and so we'll take that. Uh, we are getting down to the end of the regular season here for the Boston Bruins. The playoff format, uh, or rather the playoff matchups, are finally starting to set. We'll talk a little bit about kind that, of. as well as some recent stuff uh, with regards to the Bruins. Some return to health, hopefully in time with the postseason. A nice showing against the Canadians. But first, of course, Bruins comes before Bruins in the name of the podcast we're doing here. So we're going to do it in that order as well. Uh, Drew, you look very excited, and I see a bright orange can coming over there. Um, um, yeah. I think I know what that is. So what you got there? I am excited to uh, to do this review. Um, but also, I like how you just told people that what we're going to talk about, but we have no plans. So those are empty promises. <laughs> I, there, I, have, I have vague plans. Very okay. vague plans. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is a wild fermented super dry cider. Cider. Um yeah, uh, it's from Urban Farm Fermentary. That's here in Maine. I've been. I was looking for the town, but I can't find the town. It's in Portland, dude. It's like really. Oh, close it's Portland. To your house. It's like oh. it's like you could probably hit a baseball to it from your house. You, you don't I know probably, my baseball uh, skills. So. You know where like? Oh, I guess maybe someone else could. You know where uh, <laughs> Austin Street and like Lone Pine are? 
It's right by Austin Street, Lone Pine, Rising Tide, that whole oh. corner okay. of breweries. Yeah, yeah. On the West Bay side. So anyway, this is a uh uh very like it's weird. So first of all, it's six point five. It uh doesn't really taste like a six point five because it gives you this kind of like sour um the sour sweetness it's a very dry cida as it or super sorry dry cida as its name um but you still get that sweetness which is nice um and that taste kind of sticks in your mouth and then like but it's like water it's like very water like it reminded me of like a bud light on the first sip that i took so for that reason drink ability we're going the full 37 Taste ability is pretty high up there, but I don't want to play that again right in a row. Can't do that. This isn't like a 37 37 beer, which like doesn't mean it's like really good if it gets a 37 37, <laughs> but it's still like that. Yeah, dude. Fully drinkable, fully tasteable. Um, it usually is go, good, I feel like, you know. I'm going to go with taste. I'm going to go at 35. It's pretty high up there, but I've tasted stronger ciders for sure so it's a save by all mark <laughs> exactly there there we go. Spell it with a K you gotta get one for every player <laughs> yeah there'd be a lot of a lot of button pressing going on here a lot of live producing uh lancy what you got for us my man i have in my hands a delightful and slightly i don't know the label's starting to come off of it because it's been in the fridge for way too long harpoons winter warmer because once again there are like I kid you not, actually three beers left in the fridge this time. So this is one of them. Another <laughs> one is a uh, regular old Harpoon IPA. And then the third is one that I've just, I don't want anything to do with. So <laughs> I need to get more beer at some I'm point. And that will probably what, happen. That the beer is. I'm interested in what beer Lancey doesn't want anything to do with. Uh, it would be the sour that's still in there from, let's see, last July. Okay. So. I didn't know if it was no like, one wants to touch that. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like the brand or something, you know, or if it was that that makes sense right there. Well, you know, I'm a Miller Lite guy, so I want nothing to do with you, Bud Light. Uh, but anyway, potential major sponsors. Uh, 37's all around, and uh, yeah, it's good. Nice There's that. Go. It's a 37. <laughs> <laughs> it has to happen. Um, all right, nice, Lancey. Love to see it. Uh, I am bringing it back to Portland here. Uh, it was my birthday on Saturday, and I think a good friend of the pod, Pat Laverty, joked on Twitter, just get me beer and I'll be happy. And that was the truth. I have about 300 beers in my fridge, Lancey, not just three, because everyone got me beer, um, which right, I'm definitely not complaining now, about. So. There's like too much to fit in the fridge right now because I have like food in there as well. But uh, among them, that. My uh, good buddy, Matt, a.k.a. Dr. Buckets, shout out Dr. Buckets, uh, got me this Tropical Jam from Foundation Brewing Company, uh, another one of my Portland favorites. Foundation makes some really cool beers. Uh, this is a pretty unique sour they've got going on. It's a kettle sour with guava, pineapple, passion fruit, and milk sugar. Uh, a lot of the times the milk sugar ones are kind of thicker. This one's not really thick. It's still pretty crispy, but um, it has that kind of classic kettle sour I don't know, thinness to it, maybe you'll say. 
What what brewery did you say it was? Uh, Foundation. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, Foundation Brewing, good stuff. Uh, first sip, the guava really jumps out. I feel like guava is one of those things where, like, if you told me to, like, imagine what it tasted like, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But then as soon as it's like a sip, I was like, oh, no, that's guava. It's like one of those mm-hmm. things. So um, the pineapple is definitely in there. I don't taste as much of the passion fruit, but maybe I'm just not as familiar with the passion fruit taste. Maybe you're not as passionate as you think. Or maybe I'm just not as passionate about the beers, I think. But I am I am pretty passionate about this. Coming in at 4.5%, it's a pretty standard for a sour like that. Uh, some of them go a little bit lower, which I don't like. I want at least, you know, 35 4% in there. This gets up to 45 like I said, it's the uh, the guava off the mouth, ma- off the off the mouth. Sure, in the mouth. Guava the off thing, the mouth. He scored. <laughs> a rebound. it away. Uh, yeah, the first thing that jumps out is definitely the guava. It's got a kind of a steady sweetness to it. It's got that tropical sweetness. I'm not really sure what it is. It's got uh, you know, obviously it's a sour beer, but it's still kind of rounded in its sweetness, um, which I appreciate. It's not too not too edgy. Um, drinkability for a sour, pretty good. I mean, like, like I said, it's got that sourness, but the, the base level sweetness is very doable. So drinkability is going to be pretty high. I would say probably like a 31, uh, and tasteability. I mean, yeah, that's, it's very close to a 37. I don't think it's gonna be like a 35, to be honest with you. I wanted to bump it there. Um, it definitely jumps out at you, but there's like a little little bit of something where it could like really go for the knockout blow. I'm not sure if that would make it a better beer because it might be overpowering at that point. So this is kind of what we were talking about before. 37 obviously does not always equal good. It just means very, very much drink drinkable it. or tasteable. Yeah, it so uh, it is quite tasteable, but I'm going to go with another 35 for a, a save by old Mark. So no 37s? No 37. No, I was waiting for you to like it sound like you had something else queued up there, but we'll give 37. Else 37. Um no, I I know. did actually want to say uh, on the topic of guava, Batson River Brewing Co that mm-hmm. Cam and I have been to. Um I've been there a few times cuz it's literally like a thousand feet from my from my apartment. Um so it they have a really good guava IPA there uh, that I it's one of the few beers that you can actually like buy the cans of there. Mm. It's that and one other that they have, but they have a lot of great beers there. But they have a guava IPA, which is like it doesn't have that sour. It's just a very sweet mm. IPA, which you feel like like a sweet IPA might not necessarily go that great. No, I like those. Yeah, I it really did it. Like the flavors are kind of like balanced out. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a uh, like a grapefruit IPA from uh, Definitive recently that was really good, kind of the same way. It wasn't sour, but it had that kind of citrusy. I mean, a lot of the IPAs go with that citrus undertone. It goes with the citrusy, but like that yeah. sweetness, like from like the guava and stuff, where it's not necessarily sour, is mm-hmm. good. Shall anyway, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit of hockey here. Um, the Bruins have three games left in the regular season as of recording on Monday night. Uh, they're coming off. Back-to-back wins, uh, Saturday defeating the Rangers 3-1 to in what I thought was one of their strongest showings against a potential playoff opponent there. Uh, and then yesterday, Sunday, a 5-3 to win against the Montreal Canadiens that looked dominant, ended up being a little closer uh, than the Bruins would have liked, uh, but they got it done. Uh, first of all, I do want to just acknowledge, obviously, a beautiful ceremony at the end of the game at the Bell Center there for Guy Lafleur, uh, five-time Stanley Cup champion, the first NHL player to have what that's I believe it said six consecutive fifty-plus goal and hundred-plus point seasons. 
um, and just an, an absolute legend who is like synonymous with the Montreal Canadiens. When you see that many Bruins fans on, on Bruins Twitter, no less, like the really radical Bruins fans, like acknowledging a 10 minute standing ovation at the Bell Center as just like a really touching and, and beautiful moment. You know how important that character is and how uh, Lafleur just kind of rises above, you know, rivalries between Boston and Montreal or any, you know, kind of like those. Uh, it, obviously, he's not dead, but it reminded me of like the Mariana Rivera, like the last time through Boston, where it was like, obviously, it's that hated rival, but it's a player that just kind of rises above that. And you just really, really respect. So Bill Burr, um, when he was on uh, the Red Sox broadcast the other night, he talked about, you know, hating the Yankees and how much, you know, he loved Derek Jeter, but he hates the Yankees. And that's yeah. that's sports in a nutshell. You yeah. you might hate the team, but there are some players every once in a while that you're like, you know what? that guy just transcends everything. Yeah. Uh, for me growing up with the Canadians, it was Saku Koivu. Mm-hmm. Nowadays it might be Carey Price for a lot of fans back in the day, even though he was the one that scored the game tying goal on the two many men on the ice call. Uh, Guy Lafleur was that player. Mm-hmm. He was that good. And he was also marketed as much as a Wayne Gretzky who right around the same time as him in, in their playing days. So you know, that's where it really means a lot to people from all over the league and not just within Montreal. Yeah. Don't have too much to add there. That was well summed up, Lancey. So um, moving on to the game itself, we'll talk results in a second, but the other kind of oddity that has to be addressed, of course, is the Eric Hall penalty shot. Uh, that was first and face foremost, oddity. Chris is on that, though. Yeah, he, he is. Again, he's with some luck out there. Uh, I don't think that was like worthy of a penalty shot. It was like a pretty standard penalty, but I'll take it obviously. Uh, And then, you know, what proceeded to happen there was incredible. Hala literally whiffing on the puck as he skated by giving you shades of Brad Marchand last year. Of course, Marshy's was during the shootout and he, he botched it because he he technically had touched the puck. Hala, I couldn't tell if he might've scraped it. The puck moved. It was, you know, they, I know they went back and reviewed it. Not sure if that's reviewable. I don't know. And, you know, in the moment I was like, hey, maybe it's not. Weird, like, stickler thing there. But, yes and no. Um, it was just a hilarious scene. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't know how you haven't, but go check it out. Just over skating, tries to pick it up with one hand in the backhand uh, and just straight up missed it and, like, stopped. And that's when I was confused because I was like, you have to keep the forward progress, but you have to keep the forward progress of the puck. So since the puck technically didn't, you know, get activated yet, if you will, he was still allowed to kind of reach back and grab it and then really collected himself so well, just walked it in and saw an area to take a kind of quick shot, use that quick release that he has and, and, you know, scored. And then just coming Everyone back on the ice. I don't know. You can see like, like is relief. This legal? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think when he missed it, he should, I think it's mighty ducks where they do this, but some hockey movie where they just like blood? skate, they skate around, around it, yeah. The puck for a while, like he should have just faked it and been like, "Oh, I'm going for that," and like do the mm-hmm. whole roundabout. That's although I mean, it was pretty content. obvious that he just missed it too. So. No, I know for sure. But yeah, so at first when I saw that, I was like, "Wait, there's no way that's legal." But then I realized the player—it's not the player having that backward motion; it's the puck yeah. that makes it illegal. So he didn't touch the puck. He could do. He could do whatever week. the fuck he wants. Nah, he can go up and skate to the goalie and fucking talk to him and then go back and grab the puck and go and shoot if he doesn't yeah, touch the puck. You know the board of governors and how they'll operate. They'll be like, this is, you can't have this, you know, or, or they'll yeah. include it in the coaching challenge, everything, yeah. you know, because the reason why you can't review it 
it first of all it's an official review because yeah it was like a, a mistake but it's a quick thing to look at did he touch the puck or not he didn't okay there's nothing to review any further but you know it's completely separate from a normal game flow where there would be something a coach could say uh hold on i think that was offside or i think that was goaltender interference or what have you so just collectively it was one of the strangest moments because sam montembeau clearly was like wait he still gets to come at me and then you know like it didn't make the save because <laughs> no one knows at that point if it was allowed or not and that's on him was though, no if he's not ready because that's it's in the it's not in the rule book is the thing yeah. <laughs> and maybe it will but that's just one of those like I think there's so many rules in hockey that like it's just because players or coaches or whoever just like found loop <laughs> like weird loopholes and used it Our and then the NHL like you said Nick was just like uh-oh nope that means can't have that you know, and it's similarly in NASCAR, they'll talk about, you know, oh, we got safer barriers on the outer walls and we'll have it on the inner walls. But a car is always going to find the one wall that you don't have protected. So then they'll put one in the following race or the following mm -hmm. season. And in other cases, they'll just completely repave the track and it causes havoc. But we can save that for a different podcast some other day. NASCAR and yeah. NASCAR and NASCAR and. Race car and race car. It's just race car <laughs> spelled backwards. There you go. There you go. Um, Design yeah, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk like more specifics about the Bruins, those two games? I mean, they look pretty good. Having Pasternak and Lindholm back was the one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, just a totally different team when they're at full health, and you can see it from you know the, the loss they had to the Penguins for nothing. Bouncing back, two convincing wins. Again, obviously, Canadians aren't a, a playoff team at this point, but I don't know what I'm saying at this point. They're just not. Um, but an, a really good showing, wins. I thought, against the Rangers, too. So any thoughts about those back-to-back uh, -back wins, especially you know with how their schedule has been this back half? The ability to turn it on, I think, on back-to-back -back nights like that was really impressive. Honestly, I was thinking you know, Pasta and Lindholm would probably be back sometime this week, whether it was yeah. against Florida or Buffalo. Uh, I wasn't expecting them to get in another repetition uh, given they were back for the Rangers in time, but that helps. I mean, that motivated the team. Clearly the team that went, you know, it lost like five games and the five out of the eight games that Pasternak was out. So, you know, if you want to talk momentum, it's obviously a lot better to be playing kind of not necessarily your best hockey, but better hockey to become your best hockey as the playoffs begin. And, they were on it since January 1st, all the way up through March. And then this month, kind of back to a little bit around 500. They're above it now. But, you know, for the most part, they didn't have Pasternak beforehand and didn't look great. Uh, I don't think they're going to go that far in the playoffs, but we'll get to that. I'm just not really convinced, given the level of competition that they'll be going up against. However, I'm very pleased to see that you know, with Pasternak and Lindholm, they looked fine. As long as we don't have any other issues that come up, they should be fine. Uh, of course, yeah. there was a hit on Taylor Hall in Montreal that everyone was a little bit worried about. As long as that doesn't happen, honestly, they're probably going to get everyone to play one or two more games and then just shut it down. Like the game against Toronto that a month or two ago we were all hyping up because, oh, it could mean the battle for home ice. 
it's meaningless at this point. If you're the Bruins, the highest you can finish is third. I don't know if you want to play Toronto in the first round. Uh, and the lowest you can finish is the second wild card. So right now, just put your focus on staying ahead of Washington or Pittsburgh and main, lock down that first wild card spot. Let Tampa and Toronto beat the crap out of each other if you want. And, uh, you know, at this point, if you end up in the first wild card spot, you're going to be in the other division's bracket anyway. So you want to be sure that you can face off against the New York Rangers. And they went, what, 1-1-1 one, one, and one this year? Pretty evenly matchuped. Uh, pretty even matchup. Uh, and uh, Carolina, that'd be your first round matchup. I... They're not saying like the Golden Knights were saying with Robin Lehner. You know, oh, well, he's fine. He's not fine. Suddenly he's going to go through with surgery anyway. They are confident that they'll have Frederick Anderson and Antiranta back before the playoffs. I'm not as confident in that. I'm also not as confident in that, you know, the Hurricanes will be able to do like what the Bruins have done with Pasternak and Lindholm, get them back beforehand with enough time beforehand to get back into the swing of things and then go into the playoffs kind of at 100% as opposed to the the very plausible, you know, maybe you get Anderson back for the last game of the year or he's playing his first game back in game one. And I wouldn't want to be dealing with that fully acknowledging that at this point, game one is meaningless mm-hmm. in a lot of series in today's NHL. But anyway, Drew, it can about. become a lot less meaningless depending on how long this series goes, obviously. I, so I do have an argument for the Bruins, like me wanting the Bruins to face Toronto in the first round. But first, hockey fans, feel the action on oh. the ice like never before. With DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting feel the sweat partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN. At DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting field of sweat partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, so the Bruins, the Bruins, I want them to face Toronto because if Toronto is going to quote unquote reverse the curse or whatever, it's not a fucking Red Sox 1918 bullshit. And I don't want it to be that. That's the thing. Like, if they were are to beat us in the first round, finally, like let it be now after it was like three times. Cause if it happens like fucking 24 times and I'm like 60 or 70, by the time it happens, that's going to be like super, super sad. And they're going to be really happy. And I don't want that at least about the Maple Leafs. I want, I think we have to put Drew in timeout since he just right. Hoped I mean, for a Leafs win in the play. Oh, no, we get that? no, 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 no. I did not hope for a Leafs me? win. Look, Look, because my you main... said you'd rather them win this one than in twenty four more tries. 
If they lost 27 <laughs> no. consecutive first-round playoff series, I mean, that would be sick. No, 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 that's not my – yeah, you're right. You're right. Wait, is that an Austin Matthews post? I did not. <laughs> what? You have, a, you have a maple leaf tattooed between your eyes? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, um, it's my third eye. Um, no, I think my, my main fear in facing them in the first round, I, like they're a good team. And they have a lot of talent, and they're getting better and better every year. Even if the result doesn't change, they are getting better every are year. Are they though? I think so. Not on defense, but Austin <laughs> Matthews <laughs> and Marner is for in Tavares. It's scary. They're very top it's heavy scary. is what you're trying to say. They're very top heavy, but it's scary top heavy, and it's the kind of top heavy that can. If they can build around it somehow with money, <laughs> with the, the cap space remaining, the that they don't um, have. it can be very good. And they've played great against the Bruins this season. So it is scary to face them. Um, and either way, you're going to have to face them down the line or a team that was good enough to beat them. And obviously teams match up differently, different strategies, different players. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to either face them or a team that's beaten them. Um, and I take the luck in the first round and the worst case scenario is it sucks. You get knocked out of the first round. I think this is a team that deserves to go deeper than that. And we'll see if they deserve to go deeper than that for sure. Um, but worst case you lose to them in the first round. It's only been three times. Cool. Let's get the 24 times and keep it going past my death. Cause I don't want to be, if, if it doesn't happen soon, I don't want to be alive for when the Leafs finally reverse the curse. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not even a brain shit right there. Yeah, no, I'd I'd rather have it be in my youth where I can learn and recover or just like never happen during my lifetime, which who knows the way the world is right now. We could all be dead in a few years. This is just go on. Seems very, very hopeful there. The super dry Uh, side is doing some talking. For the record, the last time the Bruins lost to the Maple Leafs in a playoff round, was back in 1951. They lost in the semifinals 4-1-1. and Apparently one of the games was tied. Oh. I don't look too much further into that. You know, I, uh, I was just thinking the Toronto Maple Leafs making it past the first round. Last time the That's Maple Leafs made it, it out of the first round was, of course, 2004. They beat the Ottawa Senators. And uh, so, but, but to what you're saying there, you don't want to see them lose you know, so many times against Boston, except they've already done that in our lifetime. I get where you're coming from, but like, it's basically going to be the equivalent of when you're 60 or 70, if the trend continues now, Uh, which is why I'm saying that, you know, maybe your better matchup isn't against the Maple Leafs because they're top heavy. People haven't been able to figure out how to shut down Austin Matthews, Michael Bunting and Mitch Marner. It's the, in some ways, they're the wannabe Tampa Bay Lightning, which is why I think they'd be great to go right up against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning in the first round. Uh, but they're also the the wannabe Boston Bruins in that they have a first line. But after that, you know, like what else do they really have? Uh, because for many years in the last decade, we had Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak. And then what? Right, because in 2018, when the playoffs went great in the first round, they're out in the second round. Well, if you shut down one line and you have nothing else, then then nothing else matters. So that's where I'd be weary if I'm a Maple Leafs fan, but that's also nothing to do with the Bruins and Bruins and Bruins podcast. 
where I'm weary as a Bruins fan is certainly a level of, okay, well, how's the goaltending going to do? Because neither of them have had starting experience in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Swayman's at least appeared in one game in relief, but Linus Allmark has yet to appear in a playoff game ever. Uh, for those of you that don't necessarily remember, he used to play for the Buffalo Sabres, who haven't been to a playoff series since 2011. Uh, good stuff. I'm not as worried about the defense as other people might be, as long as they're healthy. So it sounds like 2017 in that sense. And among forwards, I mean, the Boston Bruins right now, their style is very much defense first. They're very focused on a two-way game where they might score two goals, but they can shut down the other team and still win. They might score five goals, but they can shut down the other team and still win. So that's where you get the really volatile, you know, momentum swings in the playoffs. And I don't know that we will necessarily see a team that's been as playoff dominant as they've been in years past going into this year's first round. Last year, we saw it in the first round. We didn't see them really show up in the second round. This year, I'm not convinced they'll necessarily even make it out of the first round. I'd love to see them prove me wrong. But I'm, I'm merely looking at, okay, everyone defers to playoff experience. Well, how much of it do they really have? Because you've got Marshan and Bergeron, who've been around for a lot of playoff games. you got Pasternak, who's been around for about half of that or less. Taylor Hall, five games with New Jersey, if that. Was he on the Oilers team in 2017? I don't think he was. That was you know the first year that he was in New Jersey or after the trade or before the trade, whatever. One for one. Uh, so I, I just look at you know the entire roster and say, this could be a fun ride, for better or worse. I, I mean, Cam, you you haven't. Uh, I give you the floor if you have some. No, I, I I'm a lot of things to address. I guess like I. I wouldn't be surprised if this team gets knocked out in the first round just based on, again, this, the level of competition you're facing. Like, there's no – it's not like you've it's got a, a one or two elite teams and then, you know, teams that made the playoffs. Like, you have a, a legitimately, especially in the Eastern Conference, I think four or five teams that could realistically make, like – I don't know. It's the playoffs. It's hockey. Anybody can make a run, as we saw with Montreal last year. But there are four or five teams that if they made it to a Stanley Cup final, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, and that's not – you know, obviously that's half the field, so that's that's a numbers game too. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. As far as first round matchups go, I don't love the idea of playing really anyone that the Bruins are going to face off against. I think the Rangers are our best bet. Um, you know, I think they're a safe bet. The Bruins proved yesterday, Sunday, that they can hang with the Rangers. Or, you know, obviously it's been a relatively even series, but Bruins got the last one, which always feels good. Um, especially with the way the Bruins have played over the last couple of months when they are fully healthy. I feel like that's a matchup that helps them out a fair amount. Um, as far as the Rangers, the lightning go, uh, or not the Rangers, sorry, the, the Leafs, the lightning. I would prefer, like Lancey said, if they play each other in the first round, because both of them are <clears throat> scary and similarly scary. So if that's a, a play style that the Bruins might struggle with, one less fish in the pond, ideally, if you if you get past the first round. So, I think at this point you want to you know make sure you finish out of Washington. Obviously, uh, Carolina looks legit. Um, I think catching Tampa, you know, might be nice, but honestly, I think your uh, your best bet right now is to 
stay out of that last wild card spot so you can avoid playing Florida. And then you either get Carolina or the Rangers, and hopefully it's the Rangers. And in some weird way, it might be better for this team to not go into it as being a favorite. You know, the Bruins have typically done better in my lifetime when they are up against something. Sure, they might have had a great season in 2010-11. They finished third in the the, uh, division seating, what have you. But they had the whole, well, you just lost in seven games after leading the series three games to nothing in the 2010 semifinals against Philadelphia against them. Sure, 2008 or 9 was really great, and they were the favorite going against Carolina, but then they lost. Sure, they were not even really expected to be a playoff team going into 2008, but they made it, and they got all the way to a Game 7 and lost against Montreal. They just they tend to have a better identity when they're standing in defiance of something, and that's kind of been the brand identity since they took on the Big Bad Bruins mantra in that they can beat you and they'll beat you up. I'm not sure we see it with today's team because the game has changed, but they don't like to play by the rules in some sense of that word. I think um, just a last thought on that. And then I think we're going to listener questions. Um, But I think this team, like I could totally see them coming up first round, but I really don't think as far as the season goes that they deserve that. I think they deserve to go further and I think they can, they just need to hit that stride they had after the COVID break. And sure. I mean, obviously this is, these are going to be matchups against really, really good teams. There are plenty of teams that are, that were mathematically eliminated like two weeks ago, you know, that they faced during that span. Um, but I, I really do think they have the ability. It's just tapping into that. Um, and you mentioned playoff experience. That's where guys like Bergeron and Marshawn can, it can find that. Um, right. It's just a matter of these less experienced guys also finding that second How heavily year during do you the lean playoffs. And I, so I do think, I think they deserve to go further. Hopefully we see that, but I also agree with you, Lancey, in terms of the adversity when they have something to prove, I think that really, that really, gives them that drive is, you know, everyone's talking about, Oh, Toronto to Tampa, Florida, Colorado, you know, these are the teams we're really looking at. And I think they're kind of, hopefully they're thinking, why not us improve it? Just like, uh, you know, the O four Red Sox. Why not uh, you us? know what? It's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I was going to say like, just call me Kevin Millar and how <laughs> against the Yankees going to game four is like, yeah, you know what? Let us lose the series, but not tonight. You know, don't like, let us win today, baby. Don't let us win Pedro today, but, tomorrow. Yeah. Like just let us, Let's lose in New York. It would be better for them that way. And then they just kept going and going. Mm-hmm. Of course, one at all. Now, I'm not yeah. saying the Bruins could do that, but I'm saying that's how I'm viewing the postseason right now. Is no, that Bruins can I wouldn't do be that, surprised. And they will. If, if everything just collapses and I go into the spiraling depression. But anyway. Yeah. That's the thing is they are like, especially what we've seen over the last two months is kind of the synopsis of like, they are a roller coaster. Like we've seen this Check team as out. the hottest in the NHL for a, for a couple weeks, honestly. And we've seen this team where it looks like they're struggling to score against like Ottawa. You know what I mean? So it's, it's all about health. First of all, obviously being healthy is gives your team so much more depth, especially up front. Um, and then I think the other draw is just, again, I think depending on which bracket, because with this playoff remember that doesn't recede. So it's, it is the, the divisional bracket. So if they do end up playing the hurricanes, and the Rangers, and they can get by that first round, then you have one of either the Hurricanes, the Rangers, or the Penguins of the Caps in the second round. That's how much more, I like their odds a lot better going through exactly. two of those exactly. teams than I do two of you know 
Florida, Tampa Bay, or Toronto. So, and then, and then when, w- once you're a couple rounds in, who knows with health, you know, yeah, you and then it's like you know, what I mean, on the other side, like I, the Hurricanes are a, a better team on paper than the Bruins this year. The Bruins could win that series, and then yeah, you face you know maybe the Rangers, the Penguins, the Caps. You can win that, and all of a sudden you're in an Eastern Conference Finals. So. Again, I don't want to count any of those out, but as far as like, it's just a I don't know. It's it, it's a volatile team in many ways this year. They've we've seen them hit their peak, we've seen them hit their valleys. You know, every season you have that, but I think it's been a little bit more emphasized this year, um, maybe just because of the the youth or the you know the lack of experience. It's not like they have that exact same core they've been rolling with. Um, if they get hot at the right time, this is a team that can make a run. But I also like like Lancey said, wouldn't be surprised if they you know flamed out after the last two months and, and kind of fell off here. So ultimately the Bruins are better than the Vegas golden Knights who are too good to be bad and too bad to be good. Yeah. So they're kind exactly. of that no man's land. They're going to be mediocre and well, they might not even make the playoffs. And at this point with about like what, 12% chance of making it, we can probably say that Vegas is like Boston 2015 and 2016. Yeah. Not good enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, listener questions to wrap it up. Just a few here. Uh, first one coming in from our great friend DF Pendris. DF asks, if you were crewing a pirate ship and you could only take three Bruins with you, which three would you take? I like this one because you hear the uh, like the stuck on a desert island a lot, which is a very distinct set of survival skills. This isn't desert island. This is crewing a pirate ship. So you have the to way, think about the roles and responsibilities that you would need as a pirate Lancey looks ready to rock. Lancey, what you got? Three Bruins. Oh, You'd be crew- who are your crewmates? Well, I mean, I picked Michael Ryder three times, but we, we have to go with current <laughs> Bruins. So, uh, I mean, Michael Ryder. Next best right. thing. Uh, other number 73, uh, Charlie McAvoy. He's probably one of the ones that you have to have. He uh, looks like kind of like a pirate. You can see him in. Bonafide yeah. Stallion can probably help you survive in any situation, either by using his sheer force, his frame, or, you know, like you could just go hunt and kill something and his cheeks. You'd be able to survive. Um, also, that. I mean, I guess if, if Cam wants to get really morbid here, if you have to resort oh, to. Oh, I being, didn't mean like that. I meant, you know, maybe like, he can like store some shit and, you know, like squirrel or chipmunks which are the fuckers that you can like stuff full of coconuts in there oh wait this is in the desert island you can stuff cannonballs in there and you can load them faster in the, <laughs> into the size. i like how coconuts change the cannonballs it's not similar i want to go to like treasure or something like no 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 no. i'm talking <laughs> resourcefulness here i love it this is uh oh i think lancy's frozen yeah i think lancy may have frozen i think my answer yeah. is too good for him um, Must have been embarrassed. Um, my I, it, the first one that popped out for me is uh, Brad Marchand. I just think like <laughs> he's so. At first, he's great at robbing people. Yeah. In terms of uh, that two way game uh, and just demolishing goaltenders, um, but he also has that like trickster, and I think that's like you need that if, if you're going to be uh, you need some like wittiness. You need that. Uh, a little con man kind of guy. And I think that's Marshawn. Um, that's the, like, I think Pasternak has the teeth for it. Uh, well, before he had gotten them, uh, didn't he get them? He got them replaced, right? Um, yes. So that, that's unfortunate. But, but so it's pre-teeth. Pre <laughs> Pasternak uh, fits the mold. Um, then... Uh, it's gotta be like, it's, it's gotta be Swayman. I think, I just think 
Sway is the way. You gotta go sway. He's got the sway. Also good at robbing people, so that's good. I think Lancey's froze again. <laughs> He's back Lancey's having moment. some internet issues. Yeah, that's you hate to see it. Uh, Pasta does kind of look like a pirate with all that hair, right? Yeah, that's true. Do the hair. Jack Sparrow action. Can make that work. Shout out Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean as one of the underrated uh, series of movies from my childhood. Hmm. Julian, uh, I just these days people just they go off on the Marvel movies, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, oh eight, was it really that good? Is it that much better now? And then like Pirates is always consistent, pretty much the same plot line by the fourth, fifth, and however many movies since then. But <laughs> it was consistently. Those OG ones were pretty fire, though, yeah. yeah. Uh, DF also asks, who should be the final defensive pairing for the Bruins? Really, we've been asked this a couple times in the last week, but in case any opinions have shifted, also we can get Lancey's take. Final pairing for that playoff run, I would assume, is what DF's going for. I forget if it was this show or my own show. Uh, I talked about Derek Forbort and just wanted to see him play a consistent game, a 100% effort. And the last few games, I don't know if it's because I mentioned it and now I'm seeing it. So I'm just, you know, confirmation bias here or if he's actually changed, but I've seen him play more consistently, which is a good thing. I mean, he almost scored an empty net goal, which would have been career high five goals in a season. Woo. But did he trip like Carlo? (laughs) Well, so that's fucking face. (laughs) That's the thing that's kind of unfortunate is that Carlo has been, uh, really great, and then really not great. So I'm more concerned with what do you do on the second pairing in the event that someone gets hurt on the first pairing, or just in general, if they can't get it going, you know, do you put Mike Riley and Brandon Carlo? Do you trust Mike Riley to be with Matt Grizzly? What do you do there? Because I like Derek Forbort both on the penalty kill when he's playing hard enough, and in the last couple of minutes of the game, when he kind of takes on the Dennis Seidenberg role of just eat the puck, right? Because you saw it before Thomas Nosek and Brad Marchand worked it out along the boards before Marshy gave an indirect pass to Bergeron for the empty net goal against Montreal. You know, Forbort and McAvoy were your pairing to go with your fourth line center and then your two other best players. So I like what he brings to the table. I think... It's kind of hard to rule out Connor Clifton at this point, given he's got a pair of assists in the last two games. So it's kind of like, I'm sorry, Mike Riley, but I, you know, like you're you're fighting against the current here. It's not that he's done anything wrong. It's just that it depends on the matchup. It depends on the situation, and I really like Forbort and Clifton in the traditional sense that your third pairing is just there to shut the other team down and skate long enough to get the other guys out back on the ice. So that's just me. I don't hate Mike Riley in any sense of the word. I love having him on the team. I think it's great that he's going to be here for the next few years. What I don't necessarily love is having to make that night to night decision. Please don't let me be Bruce Cassidy because it's, it's hard to do for a reason. So what I what I think they need to do is they need to go back and veto the the John Moore trade somehow and bring John Moore and Josh Brown on that third pair. Uh, no, I, I've course. said mostly jokingly, and I've said like Riley and Clifton, 
because obviously Chris is a big Riley guy and uh, can't defend himself here. So I hope he's listening and sends uh, Lancey an, an angry text message. Um, but I think Bring it on. I think Clifton and Riley would be like could be absolutely electric and then really suck defensively. Um, so that's the thing. That's why I'm concerned. Like it could be great for your offense, but if you need to shut things down. Like then, who's yeah. going to step up if you have and, that as your third pair? And Cassidy really likes those pairs where it's a stay-at-home defenseman and then a guy who can move the puck. And Forbert, sure, I mean he's in that role. I liked your comparison to Dennis Seidenberg, although I'll note Dennis Seidenberg was much better in that. <laughs> Seidenberg role for is S tier, and Forbert's like B. <laughs> yeah. uh, I fucking love Seidenberg. Uh, I have I have his away jersey, which I think is a good away jersey to have. Uh, personally but Long um, yeah day. so i think i think it would be forbert cliffy i'm never gonna say don't play cliffy so uh it's cliffy and somebody hell throw carlo down and, and put cliffy up with grizzly and see some wonderful magic offensively and then shit hit the fan defensively and ultimately my my decision making is just how do you certain players respond when they make a mistake uh clifton uh, he's very much he's like when jeremy lozon was in town if he makes a mistake, he learns from it in game. Like he'll he'll try to counteract it and play better. Uh, I'm not so convinced that we've seen that from Riley as of late. Overall, he tends to be a lot like Clifton in that. Okay, move on. Like you're gonna allow a goal, it's fine. But that's where I have Clifton above Riley for right now, anyway. And that's where if we go all the way back in time, we can prevent one injury from happening at all this season. Jacob Zaboral. Like he completely changed his outlook from his first season to this season where last year he'd make a mistake, he'd shut down and he wouldn't really respond to anything, whether it was his own motivation, whether it was coming from a coach or what have you this year, he looked great. Like he would make a mistake, but he'd bounce back from it and he'd play harder. He'd play better. He'd play stronger. If we see that level of consistency from forward, that's a good thing. If you don't see that, you have to change it immediately. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much to add there. Uh, I damn Sabora, that feels like a fucking year ago. My God, I f- like forgot about that. But yeah, that it was be, a year ago. That would be nice. <laughs> it feels like. <laughs> um, yeah, what if right? Um, no, I don't have too much to add. I think uh, it's a tough decision on a nightly basis. You kind of, it's one of the roll with the hot hand kind of thing. I feel like at this point, it's. I, you know, I know you kind of want to have your lines figured out so you're not juggling it within a series, but the way Cassidy regularly does that, I, I wouldn't expect that to change, so we'll see. Um, speaking of tough decisions and potentially rolling with the hot hand, Kat Silverman, our final listener question, asks, if you're the Bruins, how do you handle goaltending in the playoffs? Kat, we should be asking you this. I don't know why you're asking us this, but, um, yeah, I mean – it's been an up-and-down season for both I, goalies. Swayman was the guy early. Olmark's been the guy more so lately. Are you are I, you committing to one, I guess, is the big question, or are you you know, I, given the option of going both ways for the postseason? Number one, I feel like this is uh, just – she asked this so that she can have ammunition the next time she comes on and tell <laughs> us why we're wrong. You picked the wrong um, one. I uh, – Personally, my answer for this is just because I really want to see it, but just it part of the reason is that uh, go with both, like just switch it up. It's so unorthodox, but that's like this team, you know, Tuka Rask leaves. 
You have these this young guy, Swayman, who's coming up. He's going to be the starter of the future. And then you have Allmark, who's really helping fill that gap. And I think that's just like the the way that's going to happen. Like hockey is just like that. It follows that kind of trend. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like romanticizing it, I suppose. Um, and it's so unorthodox. I also would like to see like how, and this is a good question for, for Kat, is just like how that would affect another team's approach because you scout these goaltenders, you find weaknesses, you find their weaknesses and strengths. And, and I just like, I would really like to see how teams adjust based on who's in that. You don't get to often see that. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to be a hot hand thing though. I think they're going to lean more heavily into one, but I don't see Cassidy being afraid to be like, all right, we're down two games to O. Uh, Swayman wasn't doing great. Let's try Olmark for game three and see if we can bounce back that way. It just it's it's a way to it's almost like switching goaltenders in a game. It's like a way to get uh, get your players' attention and be like, all right, we're we're fucking shit up right now. <laughs> you know, Drew. I have one follow up question, and Cam, by all means, if you want to phone a friend here and help him out, feel free to answer. Uh, do you remember when the Bruins played the Carolina Hurricanes in the 2019 Eastern Conference Final? Yes. Do you remember how Carolina handled, handled their goaltending situation? Yes. Okay, so can you tell me how the Bruins scouted out Curtis McElhaney and the other goaltender at the time, Peter Mrazek, how, how they went about that? Because that's pretty much you know like how other teams uh, Their the first Bruins. line fucking just trampled over them. I but mean, there's also that, and the Bruins had Tuukka Rask at the time. Who my stood on thing his is, they're not, three. they're not Olmark and Swayman. They don't do, they didn't do big hugs after the games. So that that is the, the it's the power of the hug that is going power, to lead them to the cup. Let's it's go. Not just the hug; it's the power of love. Everyone, okay? goalie hugs, hug. Let's the be cup. real here. Love can do amazing things, but also, um, but more importantly, you out with the Stanley Cup. Uh, <laughs> No, what I'm getting at here is it's going to be a tandem of some sort. Uh, very much the hot hands. I would start Linus Allmark in game one. Maybe Swayman gets game two, but start Linus Allmark. See what happens. Uh, it, it's in some ways, it's the stereotypical, oh, well, you just go with the veteran, you know, because they're not the rookie. I, I don't necessarily see Swayman as an Andrew Raycroft figure in 2004. Uh, but I also, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, what can Leo Solmark do? Because he's gotten better with a bigger workload as the season's progressed. He hasn't hit a rough patch since about a month ago. So if he can maintain this, pretty good. You want that going into the playoffs. Uh, Swayman, yes, a little bit of a stumble coming into April, but three of his last four starts have been quality starts. And that's a very good sign because he's the type of goaltender that starts off hot, can go through a little bit of a dip, but he rebounds and going into a playoffs where you have the uncertainty of, as I stated, however many minutes ago, neither of these goaltenders have started a Stanley Cup playoffs game. You want to have a couple of options that are a lot better than saying, well, great. You know what? We got to call up a guy like Troy Grosnick and see what he can do in a game seven. Please be like my old Michael Layton and, and just get us to the 2010 Stanley Cup final. 
I, I think they're in better condition than, you know, than it would have been if they just had taken the route that the Golden Knights almost ended up with in that, oh, we're moving on from this guy, we're going with the other guy, and we're not going to replace him with a backup? Well, now what? Because Vegas probably won't make the playoffs now. But if they had gotten to the postseason with Robin Lehner, and sure, Logan Thompson's been fine. But, you know, it's like last year. They went with Lehner and Flurry, and they looked fine. You know, because when one kind of lost a game, they just go with the other one, they win that game. Then lose and then go with the other one, they win that game. This year would have been a completely different story. And I'm just grateful that Don Sweeney did his homework and signed a guy like Linus Allmark to assist in the transition from the greatness that was Tuka Rask into what should be expected to be a tremendous potential in Jeremy Swayman. I don't think it's a great idea to necessarily just give him the big Met presence right from the bat. You know, I, I think he's he's better coming into this with an air of competitiveness as opposed to just being given the number one job. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. I think just the way the two have trained throughout the course of the season, um, if this were in November for some reason, you I would say give it Swayman, but uh, Omar's looked better the last couple months. He's just looked steadier too. I don't know. Like he obviously it's, it's one and the same, but um, I think he's gotten used to playing within the Bruins system and the Bruins are kind of, you know, vice versa, especially the defense, the centers know what to expect out of him. And that's meshed really well. He looks hotter right now than Swayman does. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously there's something to be said for <clears throat> the experience, even if it's not playoff experience, still kind of having that veteran presence of, being there a little bit more and um and also this is a guy who on the flip side of that let's see what he's got in the playoffs you know what i mean obviously he's he fought through some shit in buffalo and and he's earned it this season he's he's really gotten better throughout this course of the season let's see what he's got now if he can kick it to another extra level for the postseason i do think you want to be fluid with it and if you know he gives up four or five and they lose a game toss swayman in there and see what happens kind of ride that hot hand um, but I don't think you're going to replace them if they're winning. And I think right now, Omar gives you the best chance of winning. So I'd go with Linus out of the gate, and then it's got to be a game-by-game game thing. But unless he's blowing up, I think you stick with him for you know at least a few. Uh, I think Lancey's frozen again, but we're wrapping uh, anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's about that time. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. See you Thursday. Thursday, Friday. See you Friday. Here is Friday. I don't know. Whatever. You know where it is. It's Bruce Bruce. Until next time.